Welcome to the Gonzaga Nation podcast, talking all things Zags. I'm Andy Bueller, the voice you're used to hearing here, Dan Dickow, sitting right across from me. Uh, joining us is Todd Millis. Uh, Todd and myself are uh, reporters with SB Live covering high school sports and uh, jumping onto the college side here for a, a special episode uh, on Friday morning coming off of a pretty special night last night. Uh, Gonzaga takes down USF, uh, WCC play, but before that, Dan, your jersey goes up in the rafters uh, in McCarthy. Full ceremony. I know you guys talked, you know, you've been knowing about this for, for quite a while, but uh, how you feeling? How you feeling the morning after a pretty special night? Yeah, it was a special night. I'm, I'm a little tired. You know, it's uh, one of those things where when I go to the Gonzaga game as a, as a fan, like say with my sons, you know, I just kind of sit back and enjoy it and watch it. If I'm calling the game as a broadcaster, you know, I'm zoned in, I'm locked in, I'm kind of in my own little world with my prep and then the game, and I try to get the heck out of there. Well, you know, with the event last night, um, it was very meaningful that you know, my high school coach came up. Um, a lot of my teammates were able to make it. Uh, some friends that were close to me during my time at, at Gonzaga and now in Spokane were there. Um, my best friend from down in Vancouver came up. So, you know, we got there a little early stayed a little later than we normally do for a game and, and just had a chance to just catch up. It was, it was a fun night. Well, if you, if you head to uh, Gonzaga Nation on SI, uh, there's there's plenty of coverage of the event, video, and, and a really nice story, uh, Todd, by you, um, kind of charting uh, Dickow's career up until this point. Um, what was it like for you seeing this? And just tell yeah, talk a little bit about the story. Yeah, I mean... Uh, what I liked about it was, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was obviously a night to celebrate. It was also a night to look back at some of the, maybe some of the things that you were vulnerable about. Like you were kind of lost when you came here and, mm -hmm. and you addressed that in, in your, in your speech and how you kind of found a home here. And that, that was the part I thought, and it seemed like you kind of got choked up a little bit. It was that, was that the one that kind of grabbed you a little bit when you sort of that transition from. Where, where am I going to, I've hit my stride. I think so. Um, because, you know, those late high school, early college years are so important for people to kind of find themselves and find their way. And it's really easy, um, you know, I hate to say it, to get lost or kind of just get mixed into the shuffle and, and not putting your own stamp, your own imprint of what you want to be able to accomplish, what you want to do. And not settling for just, hey, mediocre is okay. And, you know, that's kind of where things were going for me at the University of Washington with having injuries, with kind of being just part of the team. And when I looked at Gonzaga, because of Richie Fromm and Zach Gore, Casey Calvary, and those guys who I was friends with before, you know, I saw guys that were able to maximize their own individual progression of their skills to maximize their own potential opportunities down the road but more importantly they did it within the framework of a team and enjoying with where they where they were at who they were with who, why they were playing how they were playing who they were playing with all those things and so you know I, I wasn't kind of expecting to kind of touch on a couple things but you know the, the fact is coach few did kind of bring back that confidence in me that every player needs to have success. And it was in that era where, you know, like I said, you kind of are at that age where you're searching for some things many times. And Gonzaga and Coach Few, with his confidence, kind of gave me that home. 
Well, so last night, uh, you know, before the game is when the ceremony took place, your your whole family, your kids, your wife uh, were on the court with you, in addition to, as you said, friends that came in from out of town. And um, just kind of leading up to it. Um, so going back to the days of Prairie, Prairie High School uh, in, in the 90s, jumping to UW-Gonzaga, um, and then your MBA career. Did you feel like you had kind of every point of the journey represented in, in who was there last night? Because I know, you know, going back years when we were, you know, the three of us hosted a podcast in Washington mm-hmm. covering high school sports. And that's something that I know we always came back to was just the impact of, of your basketball career at, at every level and how kind of you carried each level with you. You know, I, I think I've been so unbelievably lucky to have great coaches at many different levels. But if you go back to the high school um, uh, kind of period of my career, as a freshman, I was able to play varsity towards the end of the year. Uh, that head coach, although he was a big supporter of me and he was helpful, um, after the season was over, he took a step back and he kind of retired from coaching, which allowed um, my high school coach, Eric Yort, who came up last night to, to take over the program. And that was instrumental to me. And I say I think a lot of times where people don't realize just how many times dots have to be connected or networks have to be presented for people to to take advantage of, of their skills and the opportunities that are eventually in front of them. Because Coach Yord had experience as a college coach of what it would take. He had experience uh, in navigating how to coach in, in the AAU world. He had na- experience in how recruiting works. Um, because when he was in Seattle at Blanchette Catholic, uh, he had a couple of players that went on to play at the college level. So, you know, him coming there before my sophomore year and then my growth in my own skills as a player developing was a perfect storm um, of support and guidance to kind of figure out, hey, you're good enough. This is the level that you could probably play at. Um, I know you want it badly. How do how do I help support you in the right way? Because a lot of high school coaches and or AAU and whatnot at that age, they don't support it in the right way. Um, many try to be front and center. Many try to kind of push somebody a certain way. And Coach Short wasn't that. Um, and over the years, you know, his family and my family have become um, uh, very close. I, I still to this day consider him a mentor a friend. I still call him coach. I can't, I can't call him Eric Yort, <laughs> which <laughs> I call him coach because that's who he was to me. And then in the, at the college level, you know, I was blessed with great, great coaches who built confidence in me. And I think that's one thing that coaches, the great ones separate themselves from the good ones is yes, most coaches have great X's and O's. Most coaches put together a great game plan. Most coaches want what's best for their players. But how do you instill that confidence in you know each player to go out maximize their ability within the framework of a team and that's one of the things i think coach Fee was so great at and particularly for me but you know the other coaches at gonzaga at the time tommy lloyd uh was just cutting his teeth as a as a young coach and the hours that we spent um my red shirt year i don't even think you could count those up um you know and so he was instrumental leon rice who's now at boise state was instrumental billy greer um, you know, he was instrumental. Scott Snyder was only there for one year, but, you know, he was one of those guys who was a younger assistant coach where he was pretty fresh out of playing himself. So talk about expectations, talk about preparation. You know, all these, all the different coaches did have a, a huge hand in, in the success that I was able to attain. And then it, it changes when you get to the NBA level. It, it really does. I mean, once you throw 
that amount of money in with everybody and it's a business, it changes it. But um, you can tell when when the right organizations have the right coaches, the coaches still, for the most part, have the player's best interest in mind. And that's why you see some, pro, some organizations in the NBA, better organizations and, and colleges have longevity with who's running the program. You look at Miami and San Antonio in the NBA with Spolstra and um, Popovich. You look at the college game when you have a coach that wants what's best individually and collectively. Bill Self, my, uh, Tom Izzo, Coach Few. Um, you know, th- those are some things that, that really kind of stand out to me. Can you give us a little bit of a glimpse of the process in terms of that relationship with you and Mark? I mean, Mark was finding his way as a first-time mm-hmm. head coach. Yeah. At the same time, and yet he's trying to instill confidence in you. I know you had the red shirt year to kind of figure some things out, but a little more in depth on on what that process was like for you. Well, I think you know, with with Coach Few, from it goes back a little bit to when I was in high school because he recruited um, two AAU teammates of mine that were on separate teams. Richie Fromm. Um, was on an AAU team of mine before I was a junior. So they were recruiting Richie from. So Dan Monson, Billy Greer, Mark Few, they would be at almost all of our AAU games. And they recruited me to a certain extent, enough to, to <clears throat> excuse me, get to know them, say hello, talk to them, know, know who they are. Um, but never to the point where, hey, Gonzaga was an option for me, just because that's not what it was at the time. But um, So I got to know them a little bit then. Then the following year, um, Casey Calvary and I are on the same AAU team. Everybody knows Casey from the big tip in against Florida to go to the Elite Eight. Um, And so I was around them again during the summers and the evaluation periods. And they were also recruiting my high school teammate, Zach Gord. So on occasion, the coaching staff would be around my high school team. You know, Coach Yort leading it, um, Zach Gord being recruited by them. So I, I got to know them. I got to understand who they are and what the program was looking like at the time. But you fast forward a little bit and you don't see, um, you you don't see that elite eight run coming. You know, they were going to be pretty dang good. I mean, after my freshman year at UW, when we went to the sweet 16, Richie Fromm and I were in the gym every single day in in the summer at green meadows in Vancouver working out. And he knew I, I was not a hundred percent happy at UW just because Every player wants more. If you don't want more of a player, there's honestly something wrong with you. You can be happy with where you're at, but the second you become complacent and don't want more, a lot of times your, your career tends to be over suit. There's a fine line between at, for athletes between being in the moment, being appreciative of what you're at, but wanting more and working hard to attain more or a bigger role, whatever, however you want to put it. Um, but that summer, Richie and I would work out all the time and, and you know, get the sense that I wasn't happy because I was also working through some injury stuff. And we would talk throughout the early part of the next season, my sophomore year. And this is the year Gonzaga went to that big elite eight run and touched on it. in another article that was written um, uh, by another journalist, but Richie Fromm and I stayed in constant communication, you know, about our programs, our careers and how things were going. And I could see that Gonzaga's season was building. They were playing really well. UW, we were ranked, I want to say, 18th at the time. And we came to Spokane to play Gonzaga. Not in the McCarthy Athletic Center because it wasn't built. Not in the Martin Center, but in Spokane Arena. And the night before the game, Richie Fromm picks me up at my hotel room. And we just go to the gym. We go to the Martin Center and go shoot. Like, 
for an hour, hour and a half, whatever it might have been, and just do what we did as as kids in, in Vancouver as high school rivals, uh, or we would have done in the summer before, just get shots up and work out, talk about basketball. But oddly enough, uh, during that time, right before that, he told one of his best friends at Gonzaga at the time, a guy by the name of Eric Edelstein, who's become one of my really good friends, um, he said, hey, come to the gym, we're going to get Dan to transfer. And kind of, I, I hear the story later on of how it went down. And so Richie and I are shooting in the gym late night, just talking about different things. And, you know, we want to do how things are going. And, and this big guy, Eric Edelstein walks in the gym and I'm like, why is this guy coming into the gym? We're shooting. It's 1030 at night. Right. And he just walks up. Hey, you're Gonzaga's next point guard, aren't you? <laughs> and I look at Richie, Richie looks at me, he goes, well, it would be a pretty good deal. So, you know, this, the, the seed had been kind of sown before all the conversations um, with Richie, even with Casey Calvary or Zach Gore, because the experience they were having. Um, my previous re- relationships with the Gonzaga staff, but that was another one where like, eh, maybe, maybe there is something to this. Very next day, UW, we lose to Gonzaga pretty handily. Uh, they beat us by 10, 11 points. In the tunnel at Spokane Arena after the game, um, I, I walk over to Coach Few, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how would this transfer work? How would I ask this? Because transfers at the time, that was rare. Nowadays, kid doesn't get a playing time for four games, starts grumbling on social media, he puts his name, I'm transferring. Well, it's not always greener on the other side. So it's a di- it, back then especially, it's a thing you really had to think through. You had to work through, and you had to realize that if you transferred at the time, that was a check mark on your career. People are going to be like, is he not good enough? Is he hurt? Did he not, did he not get healthy after his, his, um, his injury? Uh, is there something else we need to know? Um, so in the back of my mind, wanting to talk to Coach Few at the time, it didn't get the conversation didn't get there. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't the appropriate time. Um, but I, I always remember that because went to talk to him in the hallway and he was supportive of me and, and the UW team at the time. It's like, Hey, you're going to be fine. Just get back to being yourself, play with confidence. You guys are going to be fine. Lo and behold, we make it back to the NCAA tournament as UW, but Gonzaga goes on that magical run. And that whole time I'm thinking, that's what I want to be a part of. <laughs> Richie's maximizing his ability. He's maximizing his opportunity. Casey Calvary, same thing. Zach Gord's redshirting that year. But I talked to him, and he's like, I love it over here. This is awesome. And, I mean, part of part of human tendency and characteristics is jealousy. You want something better if somebody else has it. It, it just is what it is. And I'm sitting there thinking, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> and then, oddly enough, it worked out. It's funny hearing you say that now and fast forward all these years and Gonzaga is still and even maybe more so that school that people, you know, you cover in high school sports in the state say, mm-hmm. you know, that this is the, the beacon program in the state of Washington. It's the program yeah. that you hear the top level recruits talking about um, in that way and wanting to be. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a couple ways you can look at that. I mean, so many college programs, what regardless of sport, go in cycles. I mean, you've seen it time and time again, but Gonzaga has become what it is and kind of just at a steady level. And you know they're a true elite. They're a true blue blood. I think the only two schools in the the country that have longer NCAA tournament streaks are Michigan State and Kansas. Well, Michigan State 
Tom Izzo. Kansas, Bill Self, and right before that, Roy Williams. So there's been great leadership. There's been great consistency. Um, a lot of times people overlook the consistency, and a lot of it is because they they don't allow the process to work with other certain coaches. I think some programs um, make a change too soon. Many times the, the, the choices they make to put a coach into that position isn't the correct one. Um, but I think Gonzaga um, – is that kind of standard for for in a lot of people's eyes in the state of Washington because of that consistency, because of the character that um, you know, Coach Few and staff, as well as some some a lot of the players that have come through, uh, have kind of held themselves to. Is it true there was a professor at Gonzaga that didn't believe you were actually on the team? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So. Uh, when I transferred, when I transferred to Washington, I was lucky enough that, because I always thought I would get into coaching or I would do broadcasting. Those were the two things I wanted to do. I, oddly enough, years later, I've been able to do both. Um, but Gonzaga got a broadcasting school, so I'm like, perfect. You know, I'm gonna. That's what I want my degree in. So uh, it was Father Don Heiberger, and it was my redshirt year. And uh, the two friends of mine, Eric Edelstein, who I had mentioned, and then another friend who who. I had a bunch of classes with um, during my time at Gonzaga in broadcasting. His name was Scott Sayer. Um, we had a lot of classes together. We had to do projects together throughout the couple years of, of school. And a couple weeks in, Eric and Scott, we were sitting there one day and like, Father Don doesn't think you're on the basketball team. <laughs> I look at him and I say, what? They're like, like yeah, you wear the sweats all the time and we weren't nike elite so we had like sweats that were four years old there was like four different numbers on the tag crossed out and put another number in and uh he asked those guys who's this little guy in class that says he's on the basketball team is is he telling the truth and they, those guys told me that and i was like are you kidding me <laughs> so yeah true story there's professors at the time i read your ear that did that question that i was on the basketball team but the other thing is, my redshirt year, Gonzaga, we didn't have the gear that these guys have now. There wasn't a jersey, a game jersey for me to wear. So my redshirt year, I wasn't in the team picture. I was standing on the side when the team was taking their team picture. And I was like, hmm, cool. <laughs> it's amazing. And now that jersey's uh, all the way up there in the rafters. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll take that trade. <laughs> I know last night was about you, but you also made it about your family. I mean, the seven, your seven children, Heather. What, what did your children get out of that? I know when you guys were watching the video, I mean, we have, we have some really good photos and video of you looking up and smiling and your children looking up and smiling. I don't know how much experience they have in knowing you as a elite college and, and professional basketball player, but what, what did they get out of it last night? Well, I try not to tell too many stories or share too many experiences about my career. I mean, because one, I'm dad, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I do coach my boys teams uh, in basketball for my son's AAU team um, at the high school level. I coach them growing up and then I, I, I help out with my younger son's team. So I coach them in different ways, but I, I try not to share too many experiences about what I went through or what I did. Um, because they have to try to learn on their own if they really want to be great at something, how hard they have to work. Um, and they're going to find their own 
role models athletically, who they look up to. Um, but I did peek over and, and they were, they, they both had their smile on their face and, and it was cool for them to see some of those plays. Some of those plays I forgot about and, and brought back great memories and, um, you know, to, to have them see it and smile was great, you know, but I think the biggest thing for me was being able to, at the end, kind of recognize my wife because we were engaged my senior year, um, as a professional then. So, so she knew obviously, well, she didn't know. She had an idea what she might be getting into when we're engaged, about to get married. It looks like I'm going to play professional basketball, but nobody could have told us we were going to move 18 times. And I think it was in about a six and a half, seven year stretch so that I could chase my dreams of playing basketball. And some of those moves were not my choice. They were trades in the NBA. Um, so I, I, it was a, it was a moment where I could express to my wife, the gratitude that I have because of everything that she, she has gone through because of those trades. You know, we've called Spokane home now for nearly 10 years. That's the longest we've ever lived anywhere by a long stretch. So it's been great there, but then also for my kids to, um, you know, the fact is I had a coach in Mark few, I had a program with teammates that believed in me and had confidence in me, but they found, I found something that was meaningful. I found something that, that was for me. Right. And I pray for my kids and I hope they got this out of the, what I said last night is I, I pray for those, for, for my kids each day that they, they find that for them. And it's for them, not for me, not for my wife, because everybody's view is different. Like if my older boy says, I don't ever want to play basketball again. Okay. Well, that would be his choice. But whatever it is that he chooses or whatever it is my daughters choose, I hope that they find it um, because I think everybody everybody needs that one thing, whether it's a coach, a, pers- uh, a person, a program, a sport, a passion to really get them going. And basketball has always been that for me, um, and I hope my kids can find that thing for them. Yeah, your son Lucas plays for a great coach and David Wagenblast in Mount Spokane and um... – you know, this this city, not just the school, has become such a home to you and, and from, you know, the community and, and, you know, basketball outside of, you know, both high school and outside of high school. Um, to kind of bring this full circle, um, oh, I guess before we do that, I I, I wanted to, to give a shout out to Lucas because I, I caught him in the concourse <laughs> last night. Okay. It was like halfway, I guess, late first half. Um, and I was going around with a video camera. I was on the floor uh, for, for the ceremony. Um, Got to see you guys up really close and see just kind of the wonderment and all your kids' eyes looking up at the, at the video screen, which was really cool, especially too. I mean, you could, you could just tell, I mean, when you thanked your wife, Heather, just how much meaning there was there. Um, I ended up catching Lucas uh, in the concourse, and he was with two, two other guys. And I didn't see Lucas first, who I've met before. Mm-hmm. I saw these two jerseys, two dick out jerseys <laughs> from the NBA. And I want to give a shout out to Jake uh, Proust and uh, Orem Opi. Yeah, Opiu. Opiu. Yeah. Uh, who work at Shoe360, from yeah. my understanding. But they yeah. were with Lucas, and I'm going, these jerseys look like one to one. It doesn't, yeah. these don't look like anything you can just, you know, find on an NBA store or whatnot. And I think it was a New Orleans dick out jersey and a Celtics dick out jersey. Yeah. Um, sure enough, it sounds like they, uh, or maybe Lucas had raided your closet a little bit. Yeah. So those two guys, um, oddly enough, when I moved to, to Spokane, I started running some, some youth workouts and those guys were early in high school at the time. 
And fast forward seven or eight years, um, they're court coaches that shoot 360. Um, and, you know, they played high school basketball. Uh, and then they, uh, Orem at least played college football at Central Washington for a short stretch before injury. But, you know, I mentioned kind of coaches and people have an impact. Well, those guys, uh, hopefully I had an impact on them when they were growing up. And now those guys are kind of impacting my son and a lot of my son's friends to kind of be good role models to, to pour into them when they're at the gym. Um, and so, you know, uh, Lucas was like, Hey dad, is there two jerseys that, uh, coach O can, can borrow for tonight? I'm like, what are you getting at? He's like, Oh, they want to wear jerseys tonight. So I, I, I found uh, a couple jerseys hanging in the closet in the basement and, 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 and let them wear it last night. You know, it was, it was pretty cool to see cause they were, they were happy for me. They were, they'd become, like I said, good role models, good, good mentors to my son, Luke. And, yeah, you're right. It was a New Orleans jersey, and it was a it was a Celtics St. Patrick's Day jersey. So definitely one to ones. It was pretty cool. A little bit tighter fit nowadays in the NBA with uh, jersey apparel. <laughs> those things, those guys were those are not not small guys, and they were swimming in those dick out jerseys. Yeah, that, I mean that the the style has absolutely changed. But you know, I want, I was bigger then because I lifted weights. Than I am now, um, but yeah, those were those were big jerseys. I mean, I think it was like a forty-eight plus two length, and <laughs> I mean, you're right. They they're guys with jerseys now. They want to roll the shorts up, uh, pull them up, and then have the t- the top tight. And I still I'm like, can we find a happy medium between today's jersey style and the jersey style from when I played because yeah those shorts and the jerseys were a little baggy I think it's only a matter of time before it comes back around probably (laughs) probably Um, well you mentioned earlier uh, you talked about uh, your your coach coach Yort in high school Um, coach Yort uh, was here last night um, with with his wife um, and, and got a chance to take in the ceremony and I know you spent time with them Um, we reached out to coach ahead of time and uh, asked him if he wanted to share a message for you here on, on the podcast. Okay. And so um, without further ado, here's, here's Coach Eric Yort, uh, former head coach at uh, Prairie High School. Dan, congratulations on another of many basketball achievements. As your high school coach, I have such great memories of your playing days at Prairie High School. Finally, your senior year, making it to the state tournament semifinals. And we still, to this day, talk about that night and that season. You were a pleasure to coach, and you were a great teammate. You had a goal of playing basketball at a high level, at a very young age, and you are one of those rare individuals who committed yourself to whatever it took to reach that goal. You have and continue to impact people through basketball in so many ways, training and mentoring through the Dan Dickow Basketball Academy. You have instilled your passion, dedication, work ethic, character, and of course, your knowledge of the game in teaching skills and teaching team basketball to be played the right way. Your career achievements inspire others to reach for the stars in setting their own goals, just like you did. Dan, as accomplished you have been on the basketball court, it is your servant leadership and being a difference maker, influencing so many lives 
through basketball that I am most proud of as your high school coach. Shelly and I have been so fortunate to have you involved in the lives of our two boys, Jacob and Daniel. It has been so much fun watching you and Heather raise your family, and I feel so blessed that you have included me throughout the years, and I truly value your friendship. Celebrating your Gonzaga jersey ceremony is well-deserved and earned. I am so happy for you and your family to experience this special occasion. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this night. He's, I mean, it goes back to coaches, and I've been blessed to have a lot of great coaches, and he's at the top of the list, and, you know, he's he's been a tremendous coach, mentor, friend, uh, somebody that I could always ask for for advice as my whole career went through. And to hear those words from him is uh, is pretty special. I think it says a lot that that you and your high school coach are this close all these years later. I think it's, it it shows, and I know the three of us have gotten to know each other through our work with Scorebook Live, which we've got such a focus on high school sports and telling the stories of high school sports. But many kind of things go into that. I talk about the developmental years of many players in in. The, the thing is, is high school coach many times can be overlooked. And if you have a great high school coach, somebody who hopefully knows the game, they don't even have to know whatever sport they're coaching to, to a crazy extent level. But if they are in it to for the right reasons and if they're in it to help kids and they're in it for the kids, the impact that they can have and then the relationships that can be be continued on through the years or it can be something special. And I, again, I was, I've been grateful and I've been lucky enough to have great coaches at all levels. Um, but so much of it goes back to coach York and the, the support and the guidance and just everything he did for me in high school. So to hear, hear that, um, you know, it, it brings back a lot of memories quickly. Um, in particular that, one of the two most disappointing losses of my basketball <laughs> career, the Mercer Island game. That I didn't mentioned. know if you were going to go there. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, we bring that up all the time. Um, it's a memory that bonds us together, even though it was a negative memory, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, I think it goes back again to just the impact that coaches can have on people. That's hey. Mercer Island, uh, coached by Ed Peppel. That was in the state tournament, right? Is that yes. your junior year? Senior year, Senior state year. tournament, 1997. And I didn't realize this until I talked to Eric last night after your ceremony. That I mean, that's that's one of his idols, Ed Pebble. Yeah. And and Fred Brown, mm-hmm. maybe his favorite Sonic. Yeah. You know, mid court, and it's his kid that's hitting the shots. There's a lot of interesting things going on in that game. Yeah, there's a lot of little tie-ins to that game. The two that you mentioned. Um, I go to University of Washington, Brian Brown, who got hot and basically beat us by hitting five threes in the fourth quarter. He's a teammate of mine at UW. He walked on. I didn't know it until literally the first day of, of <laughs> my freshman year. Uh, Matt Logie, um, who is Ed Peppel's grandson, uh, was the head coach at Whitworth. Eric Yort's son, Jacob, who I've known since he was a week old. Um, committed to play for Matt Logie at Whitworth bef- right before Matt got the opportunity to go to Point Loma. Um, and so his, his son, Jacob, spent a year, um, a, a couple years at the Whitworth program, living here in Spokane, playing here, and he became really uh, close with my boys at that time. So there's so many different 
points that coaches and coaches' kids can impact people. Um, but those tie-ins to that Mercer Island game can are pretty unique, and they're pretty deep. I should say the the late Peppel, uh, Ed Peppel, rest in peace. Um, I know he's, I think, what winningest coach of all time in in the state of Washington by a lot, and it's not even close. Yeah, yeah he had a tremendous uh, influence on me because again, he ran the AAU programs in the state that went to all the events. Coach York coached one of them, uh, leading into my junior year, and then. I played for Coach John Pilars for the team that was organized by Ed Peppel leading into my senior year. Um, but the other thing in, in that Ed Peppel did for me was uh, I was still growing up in Vancouver, Washington. You're not in Seattle, right? You're not in a major media market where you're getting all the buzz. And it's different now with social media being able to generate interest. So at the time, Adidas and Nike were the, the, the two main players in, in youth basketball. And they each had their main event of the summer where it was a camp. Adidas had their ABCD camp. Nike had their All-American camp. Adidas invited like 150 players throughout the whole country. Nike invited about 120. And one player from the state of Washington went to Adidas. That was Michael Johnson, who ended up being my teammate at uh, UW. Ed Peppel got me invited to the Nike camp. I was the only Washington kid at the Nike camp that year. And so this was when I was really starting to learn, you know, maybe, maybe I can be really good. I always believe it, but you also have to have kind of checkpoints along the way of your career to keep you in check or to keep you dreaming or to keep you realistic with what you're thinking. So I go to that Nike All-American camp, and uh, right away I, I learned and realized I could I could hang with the best players in the country. I made I didn't make the top All-Star game, but they had three All-Star games, and I made one of them. And so that was uh, all due to Ed Peppel campaigning and petitioning George uh, Raveling to have me at the camp that year. Wow. Yeah. Well. Fun times. Yeah, no That's kidding. A fun, that was a fun journey to retrace last night. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being a part. Um, I've enjoyed getting to know you guys over the last few years with SB Live. I know a lot of my work with SB Live has transitioned a little bit away into to our college stuff that we're working on, but always a good chance, uh, always good times talking to you guys about high school sports and different things. Well, it's a, it's our pleasure to be here and and to, to be and be up close and witness all that last night. Uh, for those of you head to head to Gonzaga Nation and catch up on all the coverage, Todd's great story, uh, behind the scenes video of of everything. And uh, as I guess to to end this. Um, like to use a quote that you used last night in the presser. You had like a mini press conference with with media uh, in the middle of the game. Uh, once a shooter, always a shooter. Dan Dickow, congratulations <laughs> on your jersey being retired and uh, and everything that came with it. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs>